And welcome to another uh, Joshi 2010's Journey episode from the Red Leaf Retro cast. Kay, we're back for another good one. Yeah, talking about the birth of the powerhouse, Diana. Yeah, Diana Wrestling. Here it is, Kyoko Inoue's second <laughs> run-through project after <laughs> right. Neo had folded in December of 2010. Can't think of anyone who's had more chances in Joshi to earn promotion because she literally failed the very first time with Neo, got funding, and then failed the second time. Well, Neo had a good run, whether we want to admit it or not. Like it had its flaws. And, and, that's and for a sure. Decent run in the latter half. It's it's latter half. I'd say 2008 ish onwards were probably its biggest years. Uh, but earlier than that, I think there was some other promotions. Uh, I think JD Star uh, had some level of popularity. Uh, there's a few other promotions. AJW still was kicking around, so was Gaia. Right, it's a it's, it's a it's a Gaia time, so. and AJW kind of folding all together, and that's when Neo popped up as kind of the the biggest one, uh, relatively speaking. Oh, so I think JWP was still bigger than it. It had the name that's recognition. Why I at said least. relatively speaking. <laughs> all right, right. I'd say they were, they were they were number three. They were number three, next to Oz and JWP. If you're joining us on the Patreon, thank you for signing up to at least that $1.50 tier. That's what these episodes are for, and your patronage helps us get us uh, great DVDs such as this show here, the Diana Debut Show. And if you're catching us two weeks later on the Big Egg Joshi Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon, where we also have your awesome JD Star Reviews, Kay. Yeah, yeah, awesome, JD. Start if he was blasting through the uh, the big events going on. Sumi Sakai is over. I don't know if you know that. Sumi Sakai is a big over babyface. Well, my favorite Sache Abe <laughs> from this journey. I've I've learned. Oh her. yeah, she's super over. Big babyface, top babyface leader, as the commentary called her. Yeah, f- fucking phenomenal wrestler. I've really become a fan. Uh, and it, well, if it wasn't for your JD Star journey, I wouldn't appreciate her from these Joshi 2010s episodes where we've seen her. And I do LLPW reviews. I have just entered K. The era of the super shows, the crossover matches, and LOPW ah. is right in the thick of things. And they're on the third rung. <laughs> well, it gets su- it gets super interesting in kind of booking strategies. Who goes where? Who goes over? Who gets pinned? Uh, it's uh, it just started, so now is a great time to get into that. That's over on the five dollar tier where we get a whole. We we put out a lot of content on this sucker. Oh yeah, I I'd also uh, second that it's probably a good time now to get into 2001. We just had the big, there's a big uh, faction shakeup from the start of the journey, and the second asterisk class is making their debut slowly. It's very stuff. interesting, very interesting contrast between them and the first class. Well, hello, Kitty Cat. He is he has come to give me a little visit here. Talk. I'm talking to you. He's not. So you can do it. <laughs> I don't know. He's not. Uh... He's looking like he wants to jump and play and do things. He's uh, He's got that look, you know? Ah, yes, yes, the on. look. What's up, Sid? What's going on? Oh, he's starting to purr. Okay, all right. Maybe you'll hang so out. It, it, did did, did Damon after Sid, like, the Final Fantasy character? Or, or are you just a big Sid Vicious fan? We've been over this. It is definitely not the Sid Vicious <laughs> thing, but that is a funny answer. <laughs> I was, I was like, asking that every time you say his name. It's, ah, yes, the Sid Vicious name. <laughs> No, I'm a geologist, so he he's the color of a mineral that I really like, uh, Siderite, and the Final Fantasy. My, I do really like Final Fantasy, so it kind of worked out. I feel like you should just go with the Final Fantasy answer. The rocket sounds a little little lame. <laughs> Why? It's a little of both. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was clever. 
I guess count yourself clever. Okay, fine. What wasn't clever was this debut show. Although, my... Had its moments. My big takeaway from this Diana show was it had its moments. It had its... It had its... Uh, I would say the basic goal in mind was there. Just wasn't executed in probably what was best for the promotion. And considering no, no, what information, not. yeah, considering what information we know, how this promotion goes uh, throughout 2011, uh, it kind of confirms what I thought. I did not do the research until after watching the show to confirm some of my suspicions over where this was heading. And obviously, we know in 2021, 2022, where Diana currently stands, but you don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of obvious that a lot of people probably don't know how it got there in the first place. I have vague ideas of it. I, I haven't done enough ins- research into Diana. When I did my Kyoko Inoue and slash Neo episode over on the Big Egg Joshi, I kind of just stopped at the end of Neo. I kind of vaguely looked at some stuff Diana kind of as a follow-up right. portion at the end there, I think. Uh, but not enough to get a good gauge where they were. But I have some ideas of where, why they end up the way they are. Yes. And one of, one of the things that you can easily find, uh, there's a number of different interviews that you can find from Kyoko Inoue uh, right after the closure of Neo. Uh, one particular is super easy to find. It's probably one of the first ones is a basic English interview she gives uh, when she was visiting the United States just before the debut of Diana. In which she, uh, and she says this in a number of other Japanese interviews, because she was getting a little press uh, at the time, and uh, the the basics of it was she wants to make Diana the number one Joshi company, uh, which, okay, fine, promoter talk, I, I you know, not, not the worst thing you could say in the world. And then one thing really struck me in particular, which was uh, kind of a red flag in what we now know. And what we always know is Kyoko Inoue says she wants to be at the top of the women's wrestling table. I believe the word she used, because I remember one of the interviews was she wants to be at the top of the women's wrestling world. World. Now, yeah. the the interview, I don't know if the English one, which one predates it, but I do know that she did an interview talking about Diana like almost a month after Neo closed, because it was a big deal. It got her a little bit of heat with some people, especially the people that were working in Neo. Uh, that she was already talking about a new company, or I don't think she had named it Diana yet, or name dropped it, but she was talking about already starting another company. It was seen as bad, given how she left the state of Neo. Now you know, not paying wrestlers, having to be told by Yoshiko Tomura to pay her damn wrestlers, not having money, stuff like that. Just kind of bailing out, uh, getting herself out of the contract or off the off the promotion before it closed, knowing it was sinking. Just kind of shady stuff like that. That kind of colors your view of Kyoko in a way. So, this show took place on April 17th, 2011, so we're still in this uh, first quarter of the year, Kay, or first third, and the arena was uh, Ariake, Ariake Arena, Uh, one very famous from from Noah, Noah would have frequently, frequently run this place, and the attendance was just under 800 people, so a pretty decent showing. And I, I don't know, the lighting of the crowd made it look uh, <laughs> quite dark. There was a weird spotlight they would always put on the ring announcer. Uh, just this death cave kind of look. 
So never could really get a good look at the audience at any point during the show. So I'm quite skeptical of the accuracy of the number, but for some reason it's it's coming across as accurate. Was I yeah, the only so, one that thought that? So I was already familiar with this arena. I think you might be a little too because you watched the Sachiabe Fang Suzuki Cage match, which was in this exact area, this exact right. arena. Right, right. Uh, but JD Star ran this as for their big shows. They would run this uh, venue. Uh, so you wouldn't happen to like know the second, the, second the, You wouldn't happen to know the uh, max capacity, would you? I believe it's like twelve or thirteen hundred. Okay, so I mean, this that's not too bad. And, then. And it depends on depends on stage setup, obviously, but I mm-hmm. believe it's about twelve thirteen hundred. Uh, I don't know JD Star's numbers because they're not any like information on two thousand one JD Star is like scarce at best. So <laughs> I couldn't get numbers for it. So I don't. I couldn't tell you what they were drawing around the time in two thousand one. It's uh, it's a terrible venue. It's not very well lit. The spotlight's always bad. Uh, the crowd looks dark and smoky a little bit. I don't. Know, I think with, I think venue. with a decent lighting setup, this could be a pretty cool place. Because when the lights are on, I'm like, okay, all right, doesn't look too bad. It's it's unique. It's different. Right. I don't mind it too much. Like a, it's like a more enclosed Oregon Hall. Yeah, it's a little cozy. <laughs> it's a little. Co- it's a cozy Oregon Hall. Yeah. So, all right, let's get on with the card here. Kyoko Inoue's new promotion. Here we go. The first match is Aya Yuki taking on Ayaka Sato. It went 12 minutes, 53 seconds, and it's tagged as the future ace match. Neither of these two are aces or ever become aces, which is the funniest part of this. Well, the idea is there. These are going to be your two. Yeah, these are going to be your two stars of the promotion that you're building towards and building up. Uh, And for those that don't know, Ayaka Sato, she debuted late in AJW in 2001, but she did take some time off between 2002 and 2006. So essentially, she's only about four years in. Uh, She went freelance from 2007 until now, and she has more or less signed with Diana. That was my. This is my, what my research showed. And uh, by July of this year, she will be leaving wrestling again until 2017. So a little little hint there for the main event uh, breakdown of what happens with Diana. Uh, <laughs> not much like another certain wrestler on the show we'll get to as well. And as for Ayuki, she, de- she also debuted in 2006 in Neo. So there's your Kyoko Inoue connection. And right. was basically there until the promotion closed. She was also in that... Uh, uh, final match where all those young stars defeated the veterans, uh, sort of <laughs> time draw, and then they sort of pinned them after the bell. And kind of, sort of. Yeah, here we are in Diana. What did you think of Ayuki and Ayaka Sato from what you saw in this match? Well, I first want to mention that they opened this show with a fucking idol group. And uh, so oh, right, I got curious. Yes. I got curious. I got very curious because. So companies like this did this sort of thing where they try to hire very, very like low key undergrounds, like C D level idol groups, right? So I rewatched the show, right? And I brought the girlfriend in. It's like, hey, do you recognize this group? Because she's a big idol person, right? Like, oh yeah. That's uh I I off the top of my head remember their Japanese name, but it translates to Shining Fairy Sparkle Angel. Just a, a very, very weird name. And they last like a week. They break up after the show. So Diana's already killed one thing already. Well, that's a hell of a start. 
so as for the the two here, uh, I think Sato was the one that kind of originally showed a lot more promise. You can see a lot more of why she's in this match. Aya Yukiya didn't really feel like she kind of had it all together. As the match went through, she kind of got better. She didn't feel like she was like, if you had to pick which of these two was going to be the ace, it was probably going to be Aika Sato. I sure would have. <laughs> that would have been my decision. And they, again, I get the decision here after the main event with the idea of booking, what they were doing. There there felt like genuine booking on this show. It wasn't just a card that was made. It felt like there were goals in mind. And there were clear there were clearly goals in mind. You can tell. However, there's still that... St- I can't... Stigma's not the right word. There's still that uh, very old-school booking standard and card-making standard that's really holding them back. In this match, however, I, I, I was initially kind of going, okay, why did Ayuki win when Ayakasato was clearly the better wrestler? But when the main event came, I go, okay, that's why they made the decision in the opener, because the other person was going to get a fall of some co- some sort in the main event. So Ayuki, beca- and I made the direct comparison, this is your Kazuki Sache Abe situation for Diana. These are your two wrestlers. So, oh, I, I want to correct myself on something because the girlfriend just came whispering up my ear. What the, the group's call, name was called Spring Fairy Maiden. <laughs> Very important to get the, that she idol she name felt, right. She, she felt the need to come over and correct me. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll make a different parallel for you. We just saw this with Stardom, right? They had they didn't have a match called the Future Ace, but they did name somebody their Future Ace, like following their first show, Yoko Pito. Oh yeah, they did do that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think there's a nice we there's a weird parallel there between the two. Uh, I, I I'll go on a limb and say that uh, obviously neither of them become aces of the company, but I think Bito would have had more of a chance. But hers was injury related. I do find it weird that a company would just start up on their very first show, both of them in this case, uh, would name an ace so early on. I think that's something you don't want to do until at least you got some footing, right? Just a bit premature, right? I mean, it, it, I, I think it was just a tagline to say, this is our future. That's what, that's, what they're, that's what they're saying. Right, but at this point, an ace uh, meant more to a company. I mean, nowadays, I guess ace is still a, a thing that people find importance in in Japan. Uh, but at this point, it was very much like the ace. This is our, this is the best representation of us, sort of deal. Our best wrestler, our best prospect, I guess, in this case. And honestly, looking at these two, and then we see Sare later, you can tell that Sare was probably the one that should have probably been called the future ace because she had more... More skill in her. Well, I mean, she, she was stole most 16. of the match. <laughs> yeah, but if you're going to name Future Ace anything, I mean, you might as well just go shoot in the dark with that one. It's not like you're going to lose anything so early on in the company's life. I don't know. I think I think with uh, the limited roster that they have here, I think uh, I, th- I think this was okay to do. I think it's I think it's uh, the the message you're sending to your audience is you should care about these two wrestlers. This is what our company is going to be built around for the future. It makes sense. I, I can kind of get the idea. I just always feel like it's a bit premature because it's your first show. Yeah. Uh, as for the match, I thought it was very rough at the beginning, rough in places, kind of throughout. Uh, but as you said, with Ayuki, she does kind of find her footing a little bit more and more. She gets more comfortable. 
probably a little nervous, maybe a little nervous from being in the opener on a big show for a new promotion. But Sato, future ace, too, right? (laughs) Sato uh, really impressed me. She moves very well. She's got a good, good, unique look to her. Maybe grow the hair out a little bit more. I think the bob cut is a little old fashioned, maybe. Uh, a bit, bit too a bit too old school for you yeah a little bit yeah i wasn't i wasn't quite feeling that haircut but uh the, the way she threw her drop kicks the way she was able to get to the top rope ayuki definitely had a hard time getting to that top rope <laughs> she was slipping oh i think she was it felt like she was uh not just struggling but it's like the nerves made her a little bit scared as she got up there oh yeah yeah because in the main event she didn't have that problem she didn't have a lot of those no. problems so this is it's very much uh, the first match sort of syndrome right yeah, but she does. Ayuki does win this match over Sato, and I went, ah, oh, of course, the worst, the worst wrestler wins. Ah, oh, boo. <laughs> I wouldn't be compared to Kazuki because Kazuki was dreadful her entire career, and she's—I mean, Ayuki's still kind of new-ish, right? She, mm-hmm. I wouldn't give her the Kazuki tag yet. Kazuki's garbage wrestler never well, got I was, better. Well, I was just using it as an example of kind of rival, and you get the idea. Oh, okay, okay, I guess. I guess I get that, I guess. The second match is Mariko Yoshida. There you go. Nice little legend uh, spot for her. And she kind of kicks around in Diana for the beginning stages, uh, along with Keiko Ano, her opponent. Uh, Keiko Ano, uh, <laughs> we were making jokes that she looks strikingly lo- like uh, Tomioka Hanma uh, because it's like <laughs> leather, tan skin, uh, short, spiky type, blonde hair. Uh, the the facial structures are strikingly similar. It's it's quite funny. Uh, they don't wrestle remotely alike, nor do they no. <laughs> from a distance, <laughs> up close or at least up close, look look alike. But it's it's a it's a fun joke. Like once you say the Hanma joke, you can't unsee it. But uh, Keiko oh, Ano. Fun fact about her. Fun fact about her. Uh, go for it. So uh, two years ago, I think 2018, yeah, 2018, 2019, they released the uh, BBM trading cards, right? The Joshua trading cards. Mm-hmm. And her card was there because she had just retired, so she got the Legend Hall of Fame card. Dude, me and like a bunch of people got like thirty of her cards. They packed the gills of each pack with her card. They could not get rid of enough of them. Oh man! <laughs> so I, I, so I, I, I thought I recognized her face, and I pulled up my collection, and I was like, oh yeah, it's this, this is motherfucker. I have like sixty of. Yeah, Keiko Ano, she's uh, she's from JWP in the mid-90s. Uh, she's looking at kind of rough and slow at this point in her career. <laughs> she still goes for quite a while after this. But with her sure style, <laughs> yeah, when you see her style in the match, you're just like, okay, yeah, you could probably do this for another, you know, nine years and you would be the same. Because uh, a lot of her offense and a lot of her selling is just she's going to do a front high kick over and over again. And that's about it. <laughs> her entire offense and it's a, it's the pose she does on her card the front high kick yeah there you go uh maruka yoshida i thought she looked great she's got her little arachna woman marvel gear on she's in uh Clearly very- unrecognizable from what we see of her in the AJW days no, no shoulder pads no yeah <laughs> yeah no power ranger shoulder pads here uh she what what when did she don this kind of leather leather onesie look is it in gaia I believe it's an Arcean. I believe it's Arcean. So I, full disclosure, I have very, very little. I've watched very little Arcean. I kind of have knowledge of Arcean, but I've never watched too much Arcean. But from what I gather, that's kind of where she was kicking about for a while there. Yeah, so it's... uh, I believe Gaia as well. So probably a mixture of both. Uh, She definitely looks way better and way cooler and hotter, mind you. 
but she is uh, completely <laughs> different. We didn't even recognize her. Like, we didn't recognize it. We thought Keiko Otto was her at first. <laughs> well, yeah, I've never seen uh, Yoshida in this this type of gear. I know her from her AJW days. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course that's not her, because she's an old lady. Old ladies don't look like that. <laughs> But her her she's in phenomenal shape. She's got she's got jacked shoulders. She moves very oh, well over there. She lo- moves very well in the ring. Uh, she's she's more technical uh, compared to what we see in AJW. Uh, this was really cool. And based on what I saw out of Yoshida, I was like, man, I want I want to see more of her. This was awesome to see. And Keiko Ano, you know, I won't be too hard on her. She she looks like she's been broken over the years. <laughs> We'll be too hard on her because time was already hard on her first. <laughs> yeah, but Keiko Ano. I mean, the whole the whole stick of the match is Yoshida's trying to get her into a submission, while Ano just tries to kick her head off. And there's a couple times in the match where she lands a big kick on Yoshida, rocks her. They even tease a little knockout there. Uh, dare I say UWF style type match, Kay? Don't you bring that into this house? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they uh, tagged tagged this match as that, I wouldn't be shocked. And Ano does win off of a high kick. There, so there you go. Spanned enough times and won off of it finally. That's right. It's like hitting the X button over and over again. <laughs> All right, Kay, take me through this next match here in the mid card. All right, so we've got mid card Nanai Takahashi, right where she belongs, versus Nagisa Nozaki. And so they played off of this kind of a. Uh, so Nagisa. Looks like Haruka Umasaki. <laughs> that is the first thing I noticed. She has oh the God, pink frill right. gear. She looks a hundred percent like Haruka Umasaki. I almost, I almost want to say Haruka's gear is based off of hers at this point because it's like strikingly similar. But the the entire point of this is, uh, Nanai's like, I'm gonna humble this person. Nagisa's like, Ah, oh, yes, Nanai-san. She's super strong. Nanai-san, I want to prove myself against Nanai-san. It's like they might as well just stroke her ego more, right? Uh, but Nozaki's whole point here is to try to prove herself, right? Well, listen, and I don't do jobs, so what? You can you can only guess how this goes, right? Like Nagisa gets some offense in, and I doesn't sell a lot of it because that's what she does. Um, she rolls into her ankle at one point, Nagisa's, and almost like, almost like in a weird like not caring if she hurt her or not kind of way. So I'm trying to pick remember how it went. But then I rolls out of something and Nagisa is standing up and she kind of rolls into the front or the side of her leg and kind of like bends it in a weird way. Uh, Nagisa's not hurt, but it looked really fucked up that she would just do that and then just grab her ankle again. You could easily buckle the knee or or uh, flip almost, the ankle over. Yeah, you could do that. So I don't want to call it intentional, but knowing what we know of Nanai, it wouldn't shock me if it was. I mean, Nozaki. Uh, I could, I could see someone of Nanai's stature uh, being a little annoyed with how Nozaki was getting a little slow, getting up at times, and the match wasn't going at Nanai's oh, yeah, pace. Was getting visibly frustrated. You can see Nanai getting yeah. very frustrated throughout the match. Uh, she has a hot temper, but a lot of this is based off of. So Nozaki debuted at Neo in two thousand six when she's like sixteen. <laughs> so you would think. That you know, she'd have some like going through this at this point. What five years in, five six years at this point, uh, she would have some like you would see something out of her, but you don't really see a whole lot out of her than you see now. I, I'd argue maybe a lot, a little bit more finesse. She's quicker to get up, right? She picks the pace of the matches up better, and kind of knows where she's at. Doesn't get lost in the ring, but her move set's like the same, same big boot, same clothesline, same slams. 
almost like Kuroyo. It's very unchanged from the spirit time. It's I mean, super that's a, weird. That's okay. Yeah. I, 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 I took a lot out of Nozaki out of this match. I thought she showed a lot of promise. Uh, I, I think if you could... Th- I think within six months of just kind of going through, just getting used to new environments and new opponents, she could be right in there with the ace conversation with Sato and Ayayuki. I wouldn't see a problem with that. Yes, that pro- makes sense. Because like, she was with Neo the entire time. So this is her first time. I'm pretty sure this is her first time outside of Neo. In like a new environment, not so much like going out to other promotions. Uh, like, yes, that's correct. New, she was right there. Grand yeah. Spanking new promotion. Yeah, she was right there with Ayuki in the <laughs> Neo disbandment match. <laughs> hey, oh my God, right. Jesus Christ. When they all pinned all the legends after the bell rang. Yes. And why was Nanai chosen exactly? Well... In August 2010 in Neo, so just months before the promotion closed, Nozaki faced Nanai and lost via ref stoppage in seven minutes. Okay? Right. Side comment, I also want to point out in October, so just a couple months later in 2010, still in Neo, the same result happened in nine minutes against one Mako Satomura. We'll get to Mako in a second here. Uh, By the way... Nozaki never has another singles match, nor a match at all against either opponent. Oh yeah, I, I just remembered another weird thing about this. Then I had all of the stardom wrestlers, or at least all the younger ones. I think I don't think it was everybody, but she had them all with her. Yeah, I mean there side. was there was Mayu Yoshiko, Arisa Hoshiki, was Mayu Yoshiko, Taya, Natsuki Tayo. Yeah, I mean, it was the crew. The crew was there, basically. I, I don't know if it was, it was everybody. I feel like there was a, no Ari Souza, but I, I wouldn't have been able to pick her out of a lineup in the crowd. So, uh, <laughs> But she did, the, oh, she did the cringiest thing, too. She does, does the top up to finish it, do like a, like a uh, senton. Re- yeah, hit the refrigerator bomb. Yeah, hit the refrigerator bomb, a terrible-looking finisher. And she does the We Are Stardom in the most cringiest way possible. She pins Nozaki <laughs> with the We Are Stardom bomb. <laughs> <laughs> And after the match, I'll get to my thoughts here in a, in a, a few seconds here. But after the match, Denai bends over Nozaki, kind of laughs in her face, goes over to the corner, and all the stardom wrestlers cheer Nanai all in succession. And this really rubbed me the wrong way. It just kind of made me cringe a lot. And the whole final going... sequence would be cringe. So the goal of the match is for Nozaki to prove herself to not just Nanai, but to say to say and prove to everyone she's grown as a wrestler. And up until the finish, I thought mostly this had accomplished a lot of that. I didn't think it did at all. Up until the finish, is my opinion. Because once Nanai went full-on, I'm better than you mode, and went cocky heel, when it was all said and done, I went, that didn't accomplish what it wanted to at all. All it did was further prove that Nozaki is this young, former blonde wrestler that just doesn't have what it takes to get it done against the real uh, Joshi wrestlers like an Anai Takahashi. And if you're starting a promotion, because we can't forget that the pre-video was Nagisa Nozaki and Kyoko Inoue heading to a gym, and essentially bowing and begging Nanai for the match. And Yeah, they did do that. I almost I forgot about the video package. Yeah, that was also kind of cringy a little bit, too. And I went, 
all the signs to me, like in a, in a any normal promotion, is Nozaki is winning this match one way or another. Uh, you know, you could do. I mean, it's Joshi, so you could do a roll up victory. That's fine. It won't accomplish exactly what you want, but it'll it it, it would at something. least do. It would at, at least, least something. be something. And if this was if this was the finish that was always planned, and I think it was. I gotta blame Kyoko Inoue for allowing this to happen. This is one of your wrestlers that's gonna be a backbone of your promotion, at least one of your top four that isn't you yourself, because uh, we know Kyoko Inoue is gonna be at the top. I gotta say, you gotta put a better opponent with her and have Nozaki go over. So I don't. So I think the finish was planned. I think the night was always going over, but I don't think how all of this went. Well, about no, that was, was straight up doing because, doing a non. Yeah, she she went into so, the business so, for herself there. Well, of course she did. So when you said that throughout the match, you thought they got the job done a little bit. I didn't see that. I saw Nozaki got a few moves in here and there. Uh, she had some hope spots, but it never felt like the night was ever endangered. And I never sold anything when she was in any danger. No, 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 no. I'm not giving. So I'm not giving it, never, it that much I never much felt credit. like. I never felt like Nozaki had a chance because it never felt like she ever had Denai on the ropes because Denai never made it seem like she had the ropes. She completely big-leagued her for no reason. Like, you had no reason to big-league this essentially rookie in this company, even though she's not really a rookie, but in this company, in front of these new people, in front of this new environment, she probably might as well just be a rookie, right? Yeah, you're and, and this is... Her, not just big-leaguing her, but then you're propping up your own promotion in someone else's first show of their promotion. It kind of comes off as a bit dickish. Which is Nanai's MO, anyways. Well, in terms in terms of new fans or old fans from Neo, and they're they're looking at the match and result, when you see the end result, as we saw, like you said, you it really makes Nozaki come across as this rookie nobody that is gonna take years to get anywhere. And that really hurts your very small roster that you're trying to get over to this new audience or old audience. You know what this came off to people. me? You know what this came, came off to me as? Then I'd be like, hey, don't watch Diana, watch my company. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, with the and, whole and, stardom and, and all the wrestlers there. 100%. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't doubt that she was allowed to have them as ring seconds, but I don't think Kyoko in a way would have thought that this was happening because I, I don't think Kyoko would have allowed that to happen if she knew it was going to happen because you wouldn't want somebody to upstage your own show very first show you wouldn't want to let somebody do that no matter who they are so well, it is my knowledge and like, never shows up in diana again after this yeah i wonder why i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure this had a, i'm pretty sure this rubbed kyoko the wrong way and as much as i give i harp on kyoko only for her decisions and business decisions and stuff uh i i feel bad for her in this regard because you bring this person in and they she i mean don't see fucking uh makeup coming in with the sendai flag and doing the same thing let's see no here. no no but the has the big dick and big league everybody i i Further uh, proves okay. why so, Nanai is a terrible person. So Nanai shows up in Diana in a gauntlet match the next year. So that eh, hardly counts. It's Kyoko's 25th anniversary show. It's par for the course. So you just invite everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once in 2014. And then a few. And then in 2015 to 2016 shows up a few more times. So it's few. Yeah, I would go. I so would it's, it's, it's kind of years. It on the it's, date. it's years in between. <laughs> right, well, the 2015 one, it depends on the date, right? It could be after she got booted from stardom. September 2015. <laughs> oh, yeah, so she got booted already. Yeah. <laughs> she was gone. 
So, so of course she's working there because she's probably begging for a paycheck. That is, uh, that's, that's basically your answer. So this, yeah, uh, not what I would have done. Uh, I would have definitely put Nozaki up against a different opponent, uh, preferably one she could win against and put over your new star, uh, or at least future star that you're trying to make. Yeah, I think I would have put her against, like, Emmy. I think I would have probably called in Emmy. I think Emmy would have done a fantastic job with this. Maybe, but I, I that's... Emmy's not going to Emmy's not going to do the job. She's not going to do the job to Nozaki. Not at this point in time. I think you save Emmy for a future match after you've given Nozaki more credibility. Um, Okay, well, so I don't feel like because I don't feel like you would have gotten Nozaki to beat anybody at this point. I I think you would have been hard pressed to find any legend or anyone of a stature. There were plenty of people kicking around in wave and. Uh, you could. I think you the, the you point of the match was for her to prove herself. So you wanted her to prove herself against somebody like sort of on a bigger pedestal than her. So I think you could have done Emmy, and I think Emmy would have made her look good in defeat, and not big dick big leaguer like Nanai did. Mm-hmm. I think it was too early for this sort of match. Uh, yeah, and then post match, it cuts to Nozaki. She's all distraught, and it cuts to Nanai, and she's uh, celebrating with the Stardom wrestlers. It's quite quite. Why you look so uncomfortable in the back? It's it's funny. <laughs> Our semi-main event is Mako Satomura taking on the in-ring debut 16-year-old Sari. Yeah, debuting fresh out of high school. A good debut, I would say. And yeah, I this definitely had. Uh, I think the uh, I think the finish was a was a bit ridiculous and harsh. Uh, but this accomplished exactly what it wanted to be. It wanted to show you this is a 16-year-old prodigy that's going to take it to Mako and Mako sells enough for the 16-year-old rookie. Uh, Sari came across looking great. She's in good shape for a 16-year-old. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, She clearly has a lot of potential. Uh, The crowd reacted accordingly to the Sari near falls. This was a home run, and I (laughs) gotta say this finish. Mako does her cartwheel knee to the back and obliterates sorry it looks so rough i'm like why are you doing that to a 16 year old mako <laughs> god damn you gotta humble the children but you know you, you like mako didn't use her main finisher the scorpion kick she didn't like choke her out unconscious uh she didn't bend over and laugh at her after the match she gave her she gave her she raised her hand she bowed to her they showed each other respects uh left sorry in the ring to bow to the crowd this was exactly what the other match should have been, which is give all the shine to your new person you're trying to get over in the promotion. That's night and day. It's like Mako handles this with a class. Right? It's whereas Denai handles this like a trash fire because that's what she is. Uh, I liked this a lot. And I, I, I joked earlier, but this is your ace. Sorry, is your ace. <laughs> because she becomes their ace. Like, it, it takes a while to get there, but she becomes their ace. She becomes the only young star they had that meant anything to the scene in any way. I mean, mean, with this kind of doing anything. I mean, with this kind of potential, you could realistically within, you know, 18 months, 24 months, have Sari pegged for massive main event success. And the whole. It took them a lot longer to get there than they should have. But they eventually do get her there. They eventually do get her there. And when they do it, they did it right. Like, I'll give Kyoko that. When she got 
to booking, finally around to booking Sari as the big star. She did it right. She had her beat the fuck out of Anja in a match we'll never see. Apparently it was very good. Um, she had her beat. Mako did the job for her. Clean. In the middle of the ring. The crowd gasped because they didn't see that coming. Then she beats Shihiro's ass. Well, would be the first. But she beats Shihiro like the next show and wins yeah. the belt. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And it goes into that uh, conversation we've had uh, a few times now where it's one, pro- it's one protege. That's it. And Sari was clearly the chosen protege for whether you want to tout her as Kyoko's protege or whomever. Uh, she's Kyoko's. She's Kyoko's. She's the only one. She is the one, she's and the no one, one else. Yeah. And no one else matters. And boy, did Nozaki not matter. <laughs> oh God, no! I feel so bad for Nagisa a lot of the time because, I mean, even modern day, you kind of see it. Like she's. She's a good wrestler. She's a good worker. She's maybe limited with her moveset, but her moveset does well for what she wants to do in the ring. So I don't harp on her too hard for that specifically. Well, but I mean, I've brought it up. I've, I've brought it up uh, in, in recently. I go, OK, if you're Nagisa Nozaki, you're, you know, 30 years old at this point. Uh, we're talking modern day. You've done pretty much everything you're going to do in your career as a person in wave, as a champion in wave as a freelance occasionally kind of star and at what with with the current Joshi environment at what point do you decide I want to at least attempt something else somewhere else and I I know the answer is already you know the whole loyalty factor Japanese tradition culture that's fine we've 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 also already spoken about kind of breaking tradition uh whether that's good or bad. So it's only a recent thing, though. That's only been a recent thing. It's been a more no, I, I realize openly that. done. So if if I was in that position, and obviously I'm not Nagisa Nozaki, I don't know the situation over there. There's there's a lot that hinders on a decision like that, of course. Uh, strictly speaking from kind of a career sense, would it be the worst idea to try to contact a TJPW, a stardom, I'm not saying she has to be the main event. I'm saying I think there's room there in some promotion like a top three. Even try, you know, yeah, let's throw out, uh, try it, try your, try your luck in America. Who knows? I'm just throwing names out there. Do something new and fresh and kind of revitalize your career. Maybe you even, maybe you can even be a bigger star uh, wherever you end up. You get what I'm saying? what you're saying i I think uh two things came to mind uh that one of them that just just popped in my head when it came to the people that have broken tradition uh they've all been ballsy self they they self-value themselves higher like mina unagi natsu poi especially when they value themselves himika they value themselves at a threshold uh micah these people have balls to move on from this right but they're also in this mid to upper range of young right i guess Mina and Unagi kind of aren't on the young end, but they're ballsy and they believe in themselves. I don't see that in Nagisa. I, I see somebody who's just content with where she's at. Well, she comes from a previous generation than those that and, she just and, listed. And it sucks because I feel like I want to make the argument that she was beat into having that contempt or content where she's at mentality. And, and I think part of that is, is kind of true, right? You kind of eventually, the scene wears you down to where you're just content being where you're at. But it, it kind of... I don't know. I don't know if it speaks to personality or what, but it, you see Amina and Unagi and 
especially Poi and Micah and Himika, and they jumped. Shuri, Shuri's probably the only one that I can look at. Is like she's not the ballsy type, right? She's not the she believes in herself, but I, I never really would have had her pegged as someone who jumped. So when she did, that was a big surprise, right? I think both you and I were surprised by that. I especially was big time surprised given what she was doing in Ice Ribbon. It's like it's I can have a certain level, I think, to uh, of sort of evaluation and balls to do to break these traditions now because it's still a new thing. No one does it. I mean, Yappy said it on the live stream. Most of the scene doesn't want to break tradition. They want to respect each other and kind right. of stay in their lanes. And I, on one hand, I get that, and I kind of respect that to a degree with certain companies. But with Stardom, no, fuck it. Get the bag. Get the spot. Get the position. Get the elevation. Don't blame anyone from jumping. Yeah, and the people we are seeing jumping are not part of these uh <laughs> promotions that were you know you don't see and you don't see uh akino leaving oz academy to oh god no and if i'm rossi i'm not picking her up because well, i'm just, left I'm just using tank. i'm just using her as an example yeah. <laughs> right. it's like you're, right, you're just right, not seeing you. these kinds of people leaving their promotions they just don't do that but um, i think like someone like suzume like suzume is probably the only one i can see outside well, of i guess mirai if she that's, actually that's does the more modern generation with a mo- modern promotion without those Correct. old ideals Correct. And they're not afraid to leave. Move actress girls is another one. And Tehanma, do me a favor, please go to Stardom, <laughs> or just sign with Ice Ribbon. Or yeah, she's she's pretty much she's on that contract. That's fine. Anyways, uh, Takase, Takase, leave, leave actress girls. <laughs> that's that's the, free. Yeah, that's the person I want to see kind of move on. Uh, she's I want to see Misumatsui. Talk about someone who's young and ballsy. I want me to see Misumatsui. Main event. Best two out of three falls tag team match. Ayaka Sato, she's back, teaming with Karu Ito. Yes, that oh Karu Ito from our Oz Academy review. Taking uh, on the team of Kyoko Inoue and Aya Yuki. So your future ace tags, they're back for the main event. This is tagged as The Lockup. So this is one thing I did like from Diana is they kind of had each match have a theme, have a have a tagline. Uh, I, I think I think there's something there. That's that's a very good thing to have. I like it as well. Uh, one thing I want to point out uh, at some point in the match, the two people that already had a match were not gassed, but the two older people were gassed like five minutes, ten minutes in. Okay, so in this match, Kaoru Ito <laughs> is 40 years Terrible. old. Shit, bad wrestler. He's 40 years old. Uh... 300 plus pounds. Kyoko Inoue is 42 years old. Well, what, what do you say? 210? <laughs> 190? 230 and with the busted hip. <laughs> oh, man. This match, I am not kidding you when I say this. So Kyoko Inoue is only 5'5". Five five. She's probably like 180 and it looks massive on her. You're probably not wrong. Yeah. Uh, this match time, went 37 minutes and 49 seconds. And now two whole matches. I Okay, this was three matches. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Three matches for, especially uh, the two people, uh, um, the Sato and, and Yuki. <laughs> they, they, they had a whole match prior to this, and then they had two matches, and they were less gassed than the two legends by the end. Well, there's there's also a reason why the two legends were get or, you know what one legend I I I do not count <laughs> yeah. Karito as a legend of any kind. She is a veteran. She is one that's no, been you, in the she, industry a, a long legend. time. 
She's, she's not a legend of the buffet. Uh, get, well, she definitely <laughs> ate something. The, the I am not one to say overstate its welcome in a match. But I did hear recently, I forget which podcast, but they explained where that phrase came from because they also had the same gripe I do where people are using it as like an apt, not an apt, a a lazy description of like a mid-card, nothing happened in match that went like nine minutes. You just go, ah, it didn't overstay, it's welcome, it's fine, whatever, you move on. Or when you're critiquing a main event that just goes way too long for your liking because you're just bored or whatever, whatever your reason is, you just say it overstayed its welcome. This podcast I was listening to, and I I really apologize for not remembering the name of it. I listened to so many. But the origination of, at least I'm taking their word for it, of overstayed its welcome is when a match goes to a certain length, there's no set value, where the wrestlers involved start to actively be bad in the ring. And I would say at the 18-minute mark, this match fell the fuck apart. Oh, Kyoko Inoue and Kari Ito blew up. They could not, like, Kari Ito especially. They she was gassed like five to ten minutes in. Well, yeah, it's like, She was already walking slow. Moving but when they slow. got to that, like, 18-minute mark, everything started to go wrong. They couldn't do moves. Timing was off. They're walking around the ring. Nobody's running anymore except Sato and Yuki. And Kyoko Inoue and Kairito almost <laughs> refused to tag out the majority oh, of the yeah, time. Yeah, there was a whole point there where Ito and Inoue just didn't tag out. They just kept staying in the match and staying in the match. And then there was a whole portion where they go to the outside and you could see Ito just kind of laying her head on the mat. And then Yuki kind of, or um, uh, Sato just runs into the ring. She wasn't tagged in. No. Uh, it she does, just runs into it the does. ring. <laughs> It does eventually break down uh, towards the first fall at the 23 and a half minute mark uh, where Yuki and Sato just bust in the ring and it becomes like an AJW style match. You know, there's no tags. It's just we're going to do a fuck ton of moves. We're hoping it looks awesome and gives you a bunch of near falls for drama. The problem is that Inoue and Ito are so gassed. Nothing's going right. (laughs) No, and Ito keeps attempting her top rope, awful-looking, dangerous foot stomp. And she does hit it. She hits it on, on poor poor Ayayuki here and just fucking caves in her chest. It was so bad. We've spoken I, about I, Ito's double foot stomp before. It is not a double foot stomp where you... It's not safe. It's not safe. I don't care what anyone says. It is not a safe move. She should not be allowed to do it. And anybody in a match should tell her to stop doing that. It's and not it's, safe. She puts our entire weight on you. Yeah, I've I've spoken how Dynamite Kansai, <laughs> her foot stomp is clearly there for the intent to kill, which in the 90s is cool as fuck, but there do, does become a time when you just can't control your weight anymore. Uh, Kansai does not care about that, but she does, at the very least, try to roll forward with it. With Ito, Kari Ito, she has no control over that. She, again... Foot stomps you with all her weight, and then because she can't control anything, she then sentons her ass right on your chest and caves it in. And on that first fall, where Ayuki takes this, 
the wind is so sucked out of her. She can't move. Uh, they're slapping the back of her head. The ref is checking on her. And that's when, in a way, outside and they check yes, on her. That's like, when she is not. No, no, no. She stays in the ring. She literally can't move. And in a way, takes both Sato and Ito to the ramp in the camera cuts so you don't see Ayuki struggling to like roll over and try to get to her feet. And it goes on for another like couple minutes on the ramp and until uh, Yuki's back on her feet and then they go back in the ring and go to the second fall, which is uh, three minutes after that, where Ayuki uh, finally catches her breath back. And it would not shock me if she was injured coming out of this. But uh, she hits, a, she hits, I mean, she basically just hits a few Death Valley drivers on Ito, which I, this is where I really came around on Ayayuki. She came across as a huge baby face. Uh, her power <laughs> impressed me, lifting the 3,000 pounds of Kairo Ito she and is dropping her. her. She is deadweighting her. She's, Ito is trying her desperate ass to deadweight her for a little bit there. No, Ito just doesn't have the energy to even do anything. I guess that's that. I guess that's probably true. Ito's a bad wrestler who shouldn't be allowed to wrestle anymore. I actively dislike watching Kairo Ito wrestle. I think she's actively bad, especially in these twenty tens. Think she's dangerous. She's dangerous. Modern well, day, she's especially is. dangerous. She broke fucking Arno's back. She's oh. a dangerous wrestler who shouldn't be allowed to wrestle anymore. She's got both her knees taped up. She's clearly in pain. It's it's a it's a rough time, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy. Kyoko went away in this power bomb she has. Holy shit. I mean, it's a cool as fuck power bomb, but with a ring like that, I wouldn't want to take it. That looks so painful. Oh god, yeah, dude. She like just slams. You can just hear the ring just go thud. Ouch times. So <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad time. 26 minutes to 37 minutes. Our third and final fall. This is where the match is hilariously terrible. Oh, it, get, it becomes comedy at this point. It, like you thought it was bad at the 18 minute mark when it gets when it gets pat when it gets into this third fall. It's the Kairi Ito Kyoko Inoue show. Uh, Ayuki and Ayakasato have no say in the matter. They are out of this match, and there's hardly any tag team moves. There's hardly any emphasis on the on the. Uh, the young future aces as as they tried to tag. It's all about Ito and Inoue, and they're going against each other with the occasional Sato and Yuki kind of interference spot. <laughs> okay, describe this powerbomb sequence to, for me. So, Kyoko Inoue tries not once, uh, not twice, uh, three times, she tries to get Ito up for this powerbomb. Uh, you're wrong time- already, you have it backwards. I mean, backwards, is this the wrong one? No, this is the wrong one. Kyoko, in a way, is trying to go to the top rope. In Kaoru Ito, they get kind of a an idea of a Tower of Doom spot, and Kaoru right, Ito right, right. is yeah, underneath yeah. her, and Kyoko, in a way, is, like, slipping, kind of? But it's because Kaoru Ito doesn't have any strength to be able to physically lift Kyoko, in a way, up for a powerbomb, even with the assisting... Uh, uh, gravitational pull of the turnbuckle. So it's just this long, slow period of Kaoru Ito slumping in the corner, trying to get Kyoko Inoue out of it. And Kyoko Inoue is falling. She's going down. She's going down. Ito wraps her le- legs up in the like 
uh, elbow area of her arms in a ways nowhere near her shoulders. They're about waist level. <laughs> waist level. Ito takes right. half a step forward and then just drops in a way right on her shoulder. <laughs> it is <laughs> hilariously terrible. It is the best botch of the entire <laughs> match. I, I was about that dying. One. There's another powerbomb spot. This is where Kyoko went away. This is more towards the finish. You were probably thinking of where... Hey, I think of the one where she just, tries once, kind of can't get her. Tries a second time, can't get her. And it's like it's like the whole spot where they're trying to get him up and they fight like, the whole spot. No, she physically can't lift Ito up. There's no chance. Ito's not fighting. Ito's just dead weight. Yeah, Ito's just the standing time, there. By the third uh, time, Kyoko went away, gets her up, kind of, and then just kind of falls forward. <laughs> It looks so bad. Oh, yeah. You're watching this in real time. You're just going, what's happening? What are they doing? <laughs> and I can't tell if Ito finally, lost. If Ito deadweighted her to the back or if Inoue lost enough strength when she lifted up and just fell forward. Yeah. Finally, Yuki and Sato kind of take over. And this is where Inoue and Ito are just slumped in the corner. Ito's like on her ass in the corner just going, oh, her like lazy eyes staring up at the ceiling twice. <laughs> Inoue's in the corner. Her head's on the turnbuckle. She doesn't know what's going on. Sato and Yuki are just trying their best. They're they're looking great, great in the ring. Uh, and I guess when you have just two slow old people in the ring, just not being able to work anymore. Hey, great! Sato and Yuki finally got some shine. Uh, this last all yeah, <laughs> it's like a five minute breather. So, uh, Inoue and Ito come back in. They take over. They just kind of, you know, clothesline obliterate. All right, get out of here. The real, the real stars are coming through. That idea. And uh, Inoue gets a powerbomb position on Ayakasato. And Ito, this spot. <laughs> Ito takes two steps, throws kind of a lariat to Inoue, and then does the saunter run against the ropes, and then tries another lariat to the front of Inoue, and eh, Ayakasato just kind of like falls to her knee, and she's like, what's, what's happening here? And then Ito <laughs> and Inoue stare at each other for a little while. They don't know what to do. Uh, Ito then runs over to Ayayuki <laughs> and tries to forearm Ayayuki off the apron. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, off the apron, misses. She gets cuttered, and this is where Inoue then goes, all right, here's the finish, brother. She takes uh, Sato in a powerbomb position. Sato does the rollover, and the idea is she's going to just cradle, the, you know, just fold the, fold the legs up, cradle, get the pin. However, it doesn't quite go that way because Inoue doesn't roll properly. She just kind of falls on her back way out of position, and Sato kind of goes in the position, but to to get the cradle, Kyoko Inoue's legs have no desire to be up anymore. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> and the ref goes one, two, and at three, like 2.98 Inoue kicks out. The ref counts three anyways. It's barely called a pinfall. They call the win. And the crowd is confused. The crowd is confused. The crowd doesn't know what's happened because they all they saw was a kick out. In a way, uh, she's very she's very distraught with this call the ref has. And what's what a story of the match because when it started at the very beginning, 
Inoue and Ito were throwing big lariats. They were throwing shoulder blocks, and the crowd was like, ooh, and an on. And after about five minutes, it went away very quick. And by the end of this match, the crowd wasn't even golf clapping. It was just utter silence. This it was bad. Was a atrocity of a of a two out of three falls match. I have never in my life seen anything like it. This was horrible. I am embarrassed for for the four <laughs> people involved. This is a worst match of the year candidate. You have to see it for yourself. It borders line on sad. It borderlines on embarrassing. It borderlines on hilarity. And I am not kidding you. Here is the thing. Okay. You ready for this? Uh-huh. Diana basically runs this exact match as their main event on their house show schedule. Or in so- with a small variation change. The change being Sato or Yuki is occasionally replaced by Keiko Ano, where they go oh, 25 minutes. <laughs> because they learned their lesson to not go 38 minutes again. They're yeah, like, okay, right. we get blown up at 18. Maybe we should, like, at the third fall, get to that point where we can't run anymore. Uh, they run three to five shows a month from April to July. Basically, this match is your main event. The undercard from semifinal down is random matches that have no uh, bearing on the next show. So this so main event match Diana. is, Modern oh Diana. yeah, this main event is it. And you go through, whether it's cage match or pro wrestling stats or a number of different sites, you notice the crowd of these shows go from 700 to 500 to 400 to 300. And it's within like two months, they're getting 150 people max at all their shows. That's bad. Uh, I want to point out one thing. So as, as, as exhausted as in a way was, she had enough energy to blast that shoulder up real quick. Yeah, it's funny how that works out, right? <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted. I can't run anymore. I can barely not walk. Doing a job. No. <laughs> but fuck you. I'm not doing this job clean. Because the idea God, no. is Ayaka Sato is touted as your future ace. She gets the look. They got they gave Ayuki an impressive fall against Kairo Ito <laughs> after getting obliterated on the first fall. And Ayaka Sato so gets the <laughs> win over Kyoko in a way. But just like Hulk Hogan and Billy Kidman, the crowd didn't buy it one bit. And it actively hurts this promotion. And they do this over and over and over again on repeat in the same towns or close by. Poor Sato. She looked like genuinely confused. Like she should be excited and happy. She got this big win. She was confused. Almost like she wasn't sure if she actually won or what was going on or why in a way got her shoulder up so quickly. Almost like she didn't expect that to happen, which she probably didn't because who does really expect someone's shoulder to just blast up right there at three. It, it it was it's bad and I want to point this out. Uh, Modern Diana, same format. Maybe not a big tag match in the minute because they have to pay more people that way. <laughs> but it's like random matches that don't mean anything, don't build to nothing. They kind of have a quote faction with Sato and and Maddie and, and uh, Kyoko in a ways on top. Yeah, they have, they, have, they have a little faction and called Crisis on that top. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Jaguar Yakota's there, and she's on top. So Jaguar Yakota, funny you mentioned this. Okay, so I mentioned the crowd gets smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. all through July. Finally, in August, I mentioned they're running three to five shows a month. Okay, they have a genuine house show schedule, but they're not like building to anything. 
Oh God, no! There's no big show. There's no. There's. There's nothing. In August of 2011, this company is down to once a month, and this is the format in which they will run for the remainder of their days. They will celebrate one they of still these. Still, this format to stay. Yes, they will run a anniversary show of some kind for their wrestler, mostly b- behind Ito Inoue. Jaguar Yakota, and Jaguar Yakota shows up. Anymore now. Jaguar Yakota. Excuse me. Kill's gone. Who's gone? Ito Kaojo. She's not there anymore. Oh well, now she is. Yes, but uh, for the next ten years, she's there. Right, right. right. I'm I'm more speaking like in general, like because they still because you have me confused because they still run these same events the same way. Yeah, they, they yeah they still run these anniversary shows based on these veteran the veterans and well, legends the same, the same people. Jaguar Yakota comes into this company in uh, later in 2011, and by August, you noticed another change. It's not just that they're running once a month now, and they're relying on all of the legends and veterans. Nozaki, Sato, and Yuki are all out of Diana. Sari is the only one left, and she's 16 years old. Yeah. Um, they Nozaki so- and... Uh, Yuki move wave slash freelance and Sato straight leaves wrestling. It took four months for this company to basically die. So do you remember me saying that during the Neo days that Kyoko had a terrible dojo system? She couldn't keep people. Mm-hmm. Here's your example. She starts another company has dojo system, brings in some young wrestlers, and she can't keep anybody. I believe Sar and, and the thing with Sarai is that she wanted to when she turned 18, 18, 19, something like that, uh, she wanted to leave. She was trying to go to Seedling. So this that's this is how we kind of found out that the same parent company owns both Seedling and Diana. Because <laughs> uh, she was trying to go to Seedling. Well, she was disallowed Kyokotaway. She showed up for one seedling show. And it was, I guess, brought to Inoue's attention and Nanai's attention that Sari wanted to use Seedling as a bouncing board to go to the WWE because they were running their first ever uh, Mae Young Classic around the time, or they were they were right. talking yeah, about it. Yeah, I remember it. this. Yep. Right, right. So, in a way to not let her leave, uh, Nanai just said no, and Inoue's like, "Well, you're coming back here," and it was a big, big to do, big kerfuffle. Uh, Sari said some some things about Nanai and said some things about Inouye, came back to Diana, and then she had the big run with the belt. <laughs> like like a few months after to, to sort of, I guess, appease her a little bit, I guess. But that's how we found out, because the contract got transferred from one company to the other. Yeah. It was so... I found an old message board uh, that really speculated that this company immediately lost money and couldn't afford to keep anybody. So the only people that Kyoko Inoue kept was her friends. Keiko Ano, Kaori Ito, etc., etc. It's, it's the perfect encapsulation of Kyoko Inoue. She doesn't want... She doesn't know how to run a promotion. We saw that with Neo, right? She tried to book things with Neo. She didn't try to do shit with Diana. She never tried to book anything. I don't know if she just got too lazy, just gave up on the idea of booking stuff in general because of Neo. I have no idea, right? 
But the intention, she is a terrible promoter. Yeah, the intention of the show was to get your young wrestlers over, which only one worked, and that was Sari, the only one that stayed. Your house show schedule was fully built off of Kyoko Inoue and Kari Ito in the main event with a couple other bodies. And the idea was, I am big enough. I will be the draw for this promotion. That's it. That was the plan. There was no other plan other than that. Once this show was over, this was it. And within four months, because there was no booking ideas, there was no intention of getting new talent over, there was no intention of building talent, uh, Sari gets in the main event, but she's not the featured player. And to be fair, she's 16. She shouldn't have been. It should have been Ayaka Sato and Ayayuki and Nagisa Nozaki. And unfortunately, when you run the same thing, show to show to show, your crowd will get disinterested. And at this point in 2011, Kyoko Inoue's time has come and gone. Kaurito's oh, so time she's... went a while ago. <laughs> so I want to I wanted to, to sort of point this out as a broader thing, but when you think about the legends of the scene, and this is, goes for the West, but even more so in Japan, uh, Inoue's name comes up like sixth or seventh. Right? You think of right. Aja Kong, Bon Kano, Manami Toyota, Kara Hokuto, Jaguar Yakota. All these names come up before hers. Even people like Ozaki is considered more of a legend in the, the list. I'd put, I, yeah, I'd put, I'd put her up there. Yeah, because yeah, Kyoko in a way isn't seen that way. It, it's kind of weird because she was during the peak, but I don't. She's not seen as the peak. It's very, it it's very sense. interesting when when we get further into AJW Destiny and do, going through all Japan women in the '90s, we're we're heading into that peak era, and I'm very curious how we will look at peak in a way, going through towards uh, towards the end of '97, basically, uh, where she leaves That's at Budokan six. and uh, under very bad terms, by the way. But she she was still champion. And she announced that she was leaving. It was a bad... Minami Toyota, it was the first time Minami had publicly said anything bad about anybody. And she gave her a shit. And it was bad for her to do that as champion. Yeah, the story the story of Kyoko Inoue is super fascinating. And it's really brought a different perspective in her career. Because I still see her as one of the best of all time. From the in-ring standpoint. And I am not afraid to say that in... These, this 2010s journey that she just isn't it anymore. And nor should she be. She's 42 no. years old. She's way slower. She still has star power, per se. But when you put a 38-minute match together focused around you, and you look actively bad because you just can't go that long with this style, mind you, with this particular style, it leaves a bad impression. It leaves an embarrassing impression. And when I when we finished watching this show, we're just like, what did we watch? <laughs> we saw it in, in Neo. We saw what the, the few matches we saw of her there. It, she's just not. It's not like she's Aja Kong, right? So she doesn't she can't do anything and she doesn't have the presence. Like, like I said before, she's not. It's weird because she's seen as one of the legends, but people go down a bunch of other names on the list before they mention hers. So it's like, how much of a legend is she compared to the 
ones that are still kicking it and are actually kind of draws. I, I consider I still consider a legend. So I'm not saying she's not, I'm not saying tier. she's not. I'm saying it's yeah, that's what I'm saying. But compared to the ones on the list that are still kicking about at this point, Minami's still wrestling. Oh yeah, still wrestling. She's, yeah, she's not. It's uh, Ozaki still wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So they're not. So they're not. She's not being invited to shows because she's an active draw because she's not as much as the Ajakongs are. And I mean, you can say what, what kind of what constitutes as a draw, but I think, relatively speaking, you book Aja because some people will come and see Aja. But I don't know if as many people will come and see Kyoko in a way comparison i think that's the the whole point i was trying to make with that is it's super weird and i always want to say she just does it she thinks too highly of herself especially this late in her career and he said herself she wants to be the top of the of wrestling or top of joshi be the big star of the scene but dude you're like almost you're like in your 40s you had a kid right or had a miscarriage but you had all these years under your belt, like Aja Kong's not coming around saying that she is the scene, right? There's not, you're not that. You can't be that. And I think it speaks more to her, her how she values herself and her mentality and her her as a person to think that she's above everyone else still this light recur, clearly not even able to go. Yeah, and we're in uh, late 2021. Diana is one of the least relevant companies in the Joshi scene. And Kyoko Inoue is still on top. And there's a number of couple young talents there that... Two. Yeah, there's two. And then Sato's kicking about there. She's 35 at this point. Koda's uh, still there. <laughs> Yakota's still there. And you just see that there's no there's no future in Diana. And no, it's, it's, it's a barren wasteland. There, there, there could have been, but... Within four months, this promotion was was already a failed project. Yeah, it's just, in a way, is a terrible promoter. Like we can say what we want about how Mako doesn't do anything. Her promotion at least stayed uh, somewhat profitable. So ran shows more than once a month. It's it speaks more to Kyuko in a way and how she. I don't know if she. I think she thinks she knows how to run a promotion, but she clearly doesn't know how to. No. We see this in modern days still too, right? They run one or two shows outside of their dingy little basement at a train station that seats 20 people. It's bad. The ring is old. The ring that they have now, I wouldn't be shocked if it's this exact ring or what we're seeing right now. If it's the same ring. It's, it's old very possible. and banged up and it sounds bad. It sounds old and beat up and probably isn't the safest or easiest thing to bump on. As we saw with, with someone like Tehanma just running on it, you can just slip on something and break your leg. Yeah. And it is, it is. Look, athletes get old, athletes break down, and the next generation needs to take over. That is, that is a firm belief I have. I look, wrestling is a physical sport. It is very, it is very rough on the body, and the lifespan. Like depending on how you work, you can extend careers. Depending on your star power or presence, you can extend. You can be extended. You know it. The, the the time comes and goes for all athletes and you have to be willing to critique and really lean into getting the idea over that like in 2011 Kyoko in a way she should not be on top anymore should she, she shouldn't be, be should she yeah. should she be in the main event sure but should she be the one going over should she be the focus in matches no not at all she should be 
she should be using what she knows and her role as the AJW legend to get an Ayayuki, an Ayakasato, an Ozaki over. Uh, and can you book something where you have a story? Like, I give Nanai Takahashi a lot of shit, but one of my <laughs> one of my favorite stories in Joshi uh, at one point was that Arisa Nakajima journey to beat her, and it culminated in the hair match. I really like that story. Do I think it went on way too long and didn't accomplish exactly what they thought it did? Yeah, sure. I, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But it, you know, the, the opponent was different too. I the, think at that point, Risen Nakajima was already established. You weren't yeah, yeah, that's, someone, that's you way were different. Certifying somebody, yeah, that's a, that's a different circumstance. But the goal was there, and the goal paid off. And were, I get the Yoshiko one credit when she was hurt. She booked enough of a story there to make Yoshiko's ascent finally to the top feel a big deal. Made you feel. I mean, there was no crowds, but if, just imagine if there were crowds, people would have been cheering for that moment. Well, that's the thing. Like these these things. Her. Like when we when we get to the seedling part, just things took too long to get to. Uh, yeah, you can make an argument. Yoshi yeah. stuff took too long. Yeah. yeah, yeah, these things took too long to get to. Too long in the tooth. And in this case, with Diana here, you saw how quickly it means so little. Like by August, this this promotion's already gone through what they were capable of doing, and that was based off of the house show circuit, with what we saw here in the main event, Kyoko Inoue on top, and if she was the big draw that she thinks she is, then all it would take was a little bit of booking, and maybe perhaps we would be looking at Diana in a different light. Then I gotta say this is this might be the only show we'll ever cover from Diana. Should be because if they all of them were the same, it doesn't make any difference. I want to say one last thing on my on my behalf. Okay. Um, you mentioned Kyoko should should she should be she should be in the main event, right? But she shouldn't be passing these over. I think the best way to phrase that is she should be in the main event, but she shouldn't be the main event. Right. She should use what she knows, what she has, to pass on to the next generation. I will always have infinitely more respect for somebody who's old and a legend and recognizes that they can't go the same way anymore. So they pass on what they know to somebody else and step aside. It's why I think, and I mean, it's why I think so highly of Manami Toto because she did that exact thing. She realized in 2017, I can't go. Like I feel like I want to be able to anymore. So I'm going to, and she did this years prior, right? She kind of prepped herself for it, but I'm going to make sure I pass on my legacy to somebody else. And she did that. I mean, it was supposed to be Sukasa and Sakushi a retirement show. Sakushi had her own issues there and couldn't show up, but she she made it more about Sukasa at the end there than she made it about herself. She made sure that she she always puts her over. And you don't get that with a Kyoko in a way. You don't get that even with Chigusa. Right? Chigusa stepped aside for for Takubi Oroha, but it, it never feels like she it never feels like Takubi Oroha is the successor, right? She's got everything passed to her because Shigusa is still so much in the spotlight. You can say so much of that has to deal with, you know, getting people into the shows. Shigusa is still the big draw. Takumi isn't as much of a draw. It, it just... I think there's a little the, bit more to the case in, in Marvelous, which is a unique... Right. Pro- like, each each one of these promotions run by these various legends. Uh, Sendai with Mako. Uh, Diana with Kyoko Inoue. Marvelous with Shigusa. No one is ever doing. It's... Ozaki and Oz Academy, like all, all these promotions have a very unique personality of what 
they brought, which has this old school mentality to it that simply time has passed by. Yeah, I think when I went to Toyota is the only one that comes to my brain that's done, needs to be done when you're not on your way out. Can't think it. I mean, I can't think anyone else did that has done that at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they probably do it when she heads her out her way out. But I mean, until that happens, I can't think of anybody else who's done that or will do that in the future, for that matter. Yeah, and there's no reason. Uh, uh, let me scratch that comment. Let, let me scratch that thought. Uh, coming out of the show, look, there was four young talents on the show: Sato, Yuki, Sari, Nar- Nagisa, Noz- Nozaki. All in, all in there, all under twenty-five. And there was potential here. There really was. There was. They they had something. Now, Kaurito in the main event, get her out. I I won't I won't I won't go that far. Give her the boot. Put her in the bin. But if if you you know seems to be Kyoko Inoue's big best big bestie. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, what I would do, which I think would have been better for business, was Inoue and Ito. Uh, or Ito just loses two straight falls here. You protect Inoue, who's your biggest star, biggest legend, uh, and Yuki just goes like two in a row, and then you have Sato win the opener, and then you can have the next, you know, next main event Ayaka Sato and Yuki main event. You know, we we we've seen this uh, a couple times with different promotions. I saw this with LLPW. This was a great example of they utilized the crossover promotion with AJW. They got Harley Saito over. And what do they do on the very next show coming out of that? They sell out Corican Hall. They have Eagle Sawai and Harley Saito in the main event. And Eagle Sawai goes over. And the crowd reacts strongly to it all. And why? Because there were big stars that came over from another promotion. Saito went over. She became a big star because of the win. And it was a convincing win, mind you. And... The very next show, they got another star over by showing it off to Cork and Hall that these two are going to be players in our promotion. That's a winning formula. And I saw it work with LLPW in 1993. And Diana could have done something like that. There was, there are what? blueprints for a lot of these things. But instead, it's just, we're going to do the same match over and over and over again until you're sick of it. <laughs> All right, it's funny because... I have a sort of point that I want to make on my the next episode of JD Star, but I'll kind of lightly mention it here. Uh, in 2001, you still had AGW and Gaia, right? They were still kicking about. One of them more dead than the other. There were still places for these big legends to get paychecks, so they weren't crowding up the rest of the scene like they did after the collapse. Right? I think we've had that discussion before. And you saw in promotions like JD Star, where they brought Karu uh, Kyoko Inoue in for a show, a match, the big league Sachiabe, but that was the only time any old guard has shown up in 2001 in JD Star. It's been all about establishing their own talent. They established Sachiabe and Fang Suzuki's rivalry. They've now established um, Sumi Sakai as the big babyface. They've established the bloody as this big heel. They, they're establishing their own roster because they don't have these legends coming in. They're not reliant on them, so they're forced to do this. Is it succeeding? I don't have the numbers to show for it, but it's definitely something that I like seeing, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that these legends aren't there because they're getting paychecks out of the companies. And I think 
they get to the point when they are all invading the other companies because there's no more paychecks from the big Gaia and the big AGW where they're getting the big payday, so they have to go around the scene taking up other spots to get money, right? It becomes harder to do that. And I think how you do that is you like Kyoko, I'm you think you're the top star. Okay, cool. You're the top star. Use your undercard to establish the new people. You can fuck around at the top of the card with Carito, but use your undercard to establish a new roster and then gradually bring them up as you see fit. And then do it that way. If you don't want to have this big building thing like that, like just have your, your future aces battle at the bottom, uh, then have them face other people and just continue that trek while you do your stupid legend song and dance in the main event. And I think that's a way you could do that. That's the way they should have done that, and they didn't. There's n- there's a lot of n- number of different ways that they could have done it. This was the worst. Probably the of worst decisions. way to go about it. Yeah, it was the worst one, and they paid for it. They paid for it, and the promotion's never been the same since. And it's and it's never been this stable promotion. Okay, our next episode is from April 29th uh, from Oz Academy. We're doing Heavenly Days in Osaka. It is an Oz open weight title match with uh, Aja Kong, <laughs> your champion. Oh boy! Uh, no cow, no, no more Kaoru in Oz Academy. It's a, it's a no. new era. Let's see, let's see what they do. Uh, okay, see you next time. See ya.